Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things we do for the sake of the gospel. If you're listening to this episode right now, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider supporting us. It really does make a world of difference. Go to hesterministries.org slash partner to find out more information. Also, please like and share this podcast. Do leave us a five-star review so that we can get in front of as many people as possible. Uh, also, consider becoming a podcast supporter. Go to anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number four. That's the homepage for this podcast. And while you're there, do us a favor, click on that message tab and leave us a voice message or a question that we would love to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. Here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. All right, well, let's jump right into episode 65. This episode is going to be titled, Jesus, Lion or Lamb? Lion or Lamb? And, you know, maybe uh, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe, maybe sometimes lion, sometimes lamb. Uh, let's get into that. And I would say, um, you know, one thing that you have to to kind of look at when we're thinking about lion and lamb phraseology is what 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 does what does your mind invoke when you hear those words? And of course, um, I would say what we what we are fed into naturally when we behold a lion or you know a, a pride. Um, Many, many years ago, I had the privilege to go to Kenya on some ministry, and uh, we were able to take some days there towards the end of our time, and we did a, a night safari, which was very interesting. And so we're in the, the safari uh, land cruiser, whatever it was, Land Rover, and uh, and you could actually stand up in it and see up high up above. And uh, it was quite uh, an amazing and also a little bit scary feeling to come up on a pride of lions and uh, they would shine the lights there and you could hear them roaring and baring their fangs. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to see these in the daylight or, you know, to see them uh, through, through a picture, but to, to be right up on them at night uh, was, was quite something to behold. But then, you know, the, the same feelings just uh don't, aren't stirred when you think about lambs, you know, just, just bad, just, just, you know, uh, doesn't matter. There could be a thousand of them and, uh, you'd be like, Oh, look, there's, there's just a bunch of cute little lambs and there's just, there's nothing there that, um, nothing there to, to be afraid of. And I think it's so interesting that while many of us still identify, and I will say for myself, especially growing up, that's, I most identify with Jesus as a lion, uh, that actually the the imagery that he is a lamb far outweighs that he is a lion. And so I thought I would uh, talk about that for just a little bit today in this episode. And um, so I think there are questions that, that we have to kind of think at words, we have to ponder. And, and one that kind of emerges there at the forefront is the word power. So, you know, when you hear the word power, what comes to mind? Uh, is it the... The bronze feet of Jesus, you know, with sandals, of course, uh, because uh, no no modern shoes needed. And is he is he stepping on the neck of the the devil? Uh, or, you know, if you're not careful, it looks like he's stepping on the neck of your enemies as well. Um, you know, or or maybe maybe we have a little bit more of a righteous view 
of what that power would look like. And this is this is about this is about as balanced as I guess as it would get. We'd say, okay, so this is how how however you define power, we'd say, well, first of all, God has at least the most of it. Um, depending on your views about uh, the devil and, and dark forces and all these things. Um, well, I mean, God can't have all the power. If, if they've got even some, that means God doesn't have it all. So God has at least most of it. And, uh, and thankfully, hopefully, God will use that power in, in righteous ways. And, and, um, and, you know, as right as these two options feel, you know, they're still bound to how we define power. So does power look like, you know, breaking an arm, you know, giving someone the, the what for, putting your dukes up? Um, and, 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 you know, I guess um, we, we want power to feel like it's a neutral tool, but um, oftentimes the way we define it weaponizes it. And it's interesting because the writers of the New Testament suggest there's another way altogether that the power narrative that mankind uh, struggles with so so much uh, is so counterintuitive to way, to the way that power is defined and exacted in the kingdom of God. Because again, throughout the New Testament, the belief uh, is, is pretty clearly painted out that God's power is right now known. It's not a question mark. It, it, we don't have to figure out what it looks like or how it manifests. It's right now known. It's right now defined, and it is shaped by the cross of Jesus. That's the power of God. You know, Paul says the cross of Christ is the power of God. The power of God is a cruciform power. The, the nature of God's power is revealed in the helplessness of Jesus on the cross. And so God's power, it's not revealed by being more violent than violent empires, but through absorbing the violence of the world into Christ's body, and then something amazing, mystical happens, beautiful, that he takes these, these ugly things and transforms them into pardon, into liberation. And, um, and so whatever images, whatever, whatever source we have that feeds how we define power and authority, they have to take on a cruciform shape. And, uh, and so that's, that's, again, let's lean into that some more. So Revelation 5, you know, verses 2 through 6, we have this apocalyptic vision by John, and it's, it's interesting. We'll just read it. Verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So that's, we'll pause right there. We, Okay, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. That is Jesus. And then, and then John says, so I, I looked and I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. Okay, so behold, okay, there's a lion, but John saw a lamb. And so what do we make of that? What is what is that what does that mean? And and so you know, the, 
I'll, I'll just, I've got, I've got some notes here. I'll just read them. The, the lamb-like vision is the interpretive key to reading not only Revelation, but all of Scripture. You know, the violent images that are depicted in the rest of this apocalyptic revelation reveal in vivid narrative picture the ultimate defeat of evil and empire through the blood of the lamb. And these pictures, they, they actually don't reveal a literal violent God. Come on, the God who created heavens and the earth. But what it actually shows is the sword of Jesus. The, it's the word of his mouth. Uh, the sovereign ruler of all creation doesn't need to coerce or control his way into recreating the world. Jesus resists the route of absolute control, and he's able to strike a destructive blow to the heart of violence as a result. So, well, what is the sword that comes out of the mouth of Jesus? It's the good news of the gospel. So the, the, it's the good news that cuts. And before you say, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, hey, it's done it to you. It's done it to me as well. I can't tell you the many times where the good news chops me up. Meaning what? I had all these preconceived notions. I had these um, this construct of distance and separation, this construct of works-based salvation, this construct of uh, what we call shallow grace, which means I want it, but I'm not going to give it. Come on, that, that's what shallow grace is. We're all worried about abusing grace. The greatest way you can abuse it is by asking for it from others and not giving it away freely, okay? Uh, and, and, and so, and then you start hearing the actual goodness of the gospel. It's so good to be true. And man, it is sharp like a sword. It really is. And, and so there, there's so much lamb imagery. I think I also love, you know, Right there in John 1, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So again, we, we see this is how God wins. This is how power is exacted in the kingdom of God. It's actually not a lion bearing his fangs and knocking off people's heads. It's a lamb as a, sl- a slain lamb. Not just a lamb, which is not threatening at all anyway, but a slain lamb. And so again, I, I guess what I'm leaning into here, and, and that's what I was mentioning earlier, is Jesus lion or lamb, or maybe both, sometimes lion, sometimes lamb. Um, so so here, let just ponder this. So if we see Jesus as sometimes lion, sometimes lamb, and and so in essence, we see him holding mercy and violence as arbitrary, equally equally balanced virtues, right? That that he hold he he'll hold them and he will wield them when the when the time is right. So, so there are times where he doesn't need violence. He he just uh, he releases mercy. But then there are other times. Come on, he's got to crack crack some skulls. He's got to take some names, you know. Uh, and, and so he'll wield whatever is at his disposal when necessary, and uh, and and you know determining when it's good to use one or the other. Um, and so then the thought would be right. Sure, you know, mercy is good, and it is. Uh, but you know sometimes. Sometimes we just need violence to, to stop violence, right? You, that's just what we've got to do. And, and, and right here in this moment, that invokes uh, the quote by the, the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Uh, and, and so, again, that metaphor can be said in so many different ways. Darkness doesn't overcome darkness. Light can only do that, right? Um, uh, bitterness can't overcome bitterness. Only forgiveness can do that. Do you see? The pattern that we're talking about. And so what good is it for God to use violence to stop violence? Because in doing so, he's still showing us a standard that there is appropriate times and moments where violence is okay. And uh, I just don't, 
I believe that is who God is or what he's ever showed to us. And so, you know, this this belief tries, it tries to take serious the real evil and violence in the world, but but it does so, and this is where we've really got to be careful, uh, it does so as if Jesus' cross is simply a means for forgiving sin, and, and we've forgotten that there's much greater depth and ability uh, that, that, that we see exacted through the work of Jesus. It, the cross is not only how, how sin is forgiven, it's the means for conquering evil for all time. It's not, you know, maybe we just need to get back to what does the cross really mean? You know, uh, and then this type of thinking also, you know, denies the cross of Jesus is the deepest and clearest revelation of of who God is. And and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that 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 is what we we're going after. We want to see the exact image, the perfect representation of the Father as is revealed through the person of Jesus. And so we we have to accept. Okay, this is the clear image of God: a Lamb slain, crucified, right? And and, and then I mean, we'd say first of all that not only brings clarity to the image of God, it brings clarity to to what it means to be truly human. And so we're denying so many things when we are trying to invoke the warrior God, the warlord God, the the God who looks more like King David than the God who looks like Jesus. And, And then I'd say probably even a more devastating thought would be, it. it almost even suggests that God actually has to abandon the way of the cross to redeem, right? That ultimately violence is the savior of the world. And, and you may say, well, that's that's crazy. I wouldn't believe that. A lot of our eschatology paints that picture, right? That actually the cross wasn't enough because if it were, then why would God be okay wiping out a third of humanity, copious amounts of violence and bloodshed? Come on, blood up to the horse's bridle. You you know the metaphor. You, you, you've read them. You've you know, you've, you've heard them taught at the very least. Um, so, so I, oh, so violence saves the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but listen, but how about this? Instead of trying to see Jesus as sometimes lion and sometimes lamb, what if we see Jesus as the lion who is the lamb? And so, so then we can actually say, okay, so cruciform power is the power of God, and it's the only kind of power that God bears, and it has always been this way, right? So I think, so the, the way it helps me, when I think of lion, I think of a metaphor for authority. So Jesus has authority. Jesus um, has dominion. He, he is sure in his identity. Uh, but lamb is the modality. That, that's actually how he exacts his authority, is as a lamb slain. I hope that makes sense. Uh, you know, but let's, so let's be honest. We didn't always know this, and we're still figuring it out, and there's many who haven't heard anything remotely close to this. There are people that if they tune into this podcast uh, right now, they, they'd be calling their friends. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. This guy is a complete heretic, right? Uh, and, and again, you've got plenty of company for that. That that doesn't offend, offend me or make me run anywhere. Um, but yeah, we didn't always know this and we're still figuring it out. We're catching up as it were. You know, no one imagined that the king of Israel dying on a cross would be the definitive picture of who God is. It's hard for us to believe it today. And guess what, guys? It was hard for his disciples to believe it then. 
I mean, all the time his disciples are completely confused, denying that this is actually how Jesus was going to do things because they wanted a military Messiah to overthrow the Roman oppression, and that is just not anything that Jesus came to do. That's not his way, right? And so um, I know it's tough because we want we want our way to look like his way, and yeah, it's just not how it goes. Um you know, Jesus really did win the victory on the cross, and the way of the cross is now being seen from creation to new creation to the one who is, who was, and who is to come. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I want to I wanna end this episode with a quote from a dear friend of mine, Jason Clark. Now, uh, in, in this quote, uh, he uses the term gun, which, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, I, the point that he's making uh, is, is the use of violence. And uh, I think using the word gun specifically kind of jabs at a lot of our Western mentality. Uh, this is not an episode on whether you should own a firearm or not. Uh, if, another discussion for another time. I don't believe there's such a thing as good violence, but there is such a thing as necessary violence for the time being. Um, it still breaks the heart of God. But there are times and moments, you know, if someone wanted to harm my wife or children, um, I would take the route of necessary violence, um, and and it would be heartbreaking. Um, so anyway, sorry, off track. But so back to this quote, I think it's so good, and really ties into uh, what we're talking about. There's nothing safe about a retributive view of God. There's nothing safe about a God who uses a gun. Or violence, right? I've learned firsthand that if you step on the toes of a gun-carrying God culture, even if they're family, you're likely to get shot. <laughs> a church that believes in a God of retribution will, will, will participate in punishment, often cruelly and blindly, even with those they love. Anyone who questions the nature of authority by way of a gun will quickly realize they are only as safe as their conformity. And if they can't comply, they will at some point find themselves on the wrong end of the gun. And that's the opposite of a safe place. So when I read that quote first, I thought that is so good because that is what we see. It's amazing how this simultaneous work has accomplished Jesus, the lamb slain, extracting evil and darkness from the world. That is his supreme power and authority on display. It is agape love, right? That is his sovereignty. But it's also a safe place. It's a safe place for us to come with all of our hang-ups, insecurities, dark places. But if you feel like for one moment that God, um, you, you might just push him too far. You might push the wrong button and, and you know that, that, that uh, metaphorical uh, cup of wrath might tip over. Uh, well, then, and, and then, you know, you're, you're just sizzling grit <laughs> when it's all said and done. Well, then God is no longer a safe place. You know, because if he's 99% good, but that 1% is devastatingly dark, well, then uh, that's something to be very frightened of. Um, so, yeah, uh, I would say um, Jesus is the lion who is the lamb. And we'll just have to leave that particular tension and uh, oxymoron, as it were, um, Without further explanation at this point, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please reach out to us. That's what the homepage is for for this podcast, anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. 
Do me a favor, check out our websites, hesterministries.org. Find out what we're doing there, where we're headed. We've got product there for sale. Reach out to us. We'd love to to engage with you. Go to our website for Present Truth Academy, presenttruthacademy.org. We're about to wrap up the God Who Looks Like Jesus primary study track. And at the release of this episode, we've got some amazing Black Friday deals coming up. So you want to check that out on our social media channels. Uh, you can get some, some great deals for you or for somebody that you love, uh, give them the gift of transformation to close out this year. They will thank you for it. And if nothing else, they have a lot of questions, you can direct them our way. We'll be glad to help you with it. Uh, reminder, do like and share this podcast. Help us out with that. Leave a five-star review. We need as many listeners as possible around the world. Um, help us make that impact. And it doesn't cost you a dime, just a, just a moment of your time to share it uh, and, and get it in front of your friends and family. That means the world to us. All right, well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for letting us be a part of your Tuesday mornings or whenever you like to listen to these episodes. It really does mean the world to us. I want to remind you this before we finish out. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you.